Hello and welcome to ICI Digs Deep, sponsored by Sagamore Ready Mix, LLC. Today, Julia Polson of ICI talks to Dr. Richard Arkinoff of Center Grove Community Schools to talk about the five dysfunctions of a team and how to strengthen teamwork within an organization. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of ICI Digs Deep. My name is Julia Polson and I'm the Manager of Talent Development at ICI. So today's guest I'm really excited for. He's had a very successful career in education and prior to entering the education world, he served our country for about seven years. So on behalf of ICI, our members and myself, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for serving our country. It really does mean a lot to us. So today's guest, he's also a loving father, a loving husband, an avid reader, and a true community leader. He's been superintendent at Center Grove Community School Corporation since the summer of 2011. He's also an educator in the professional world, which is where he comes to play for all of our listeners today. So it's my honor to introduce Dr. Richard Arkinoff. Thank you, Julia. I really appreciate that. And thank you for the introduction. I really enjoyed my time in the Army and serving our country. And I want to also thank all our veterans out there because I know a lot of folks in this industry are prior service as well. So I want yes. to share that. Yes. No, we appreciate that. So I guess before we kind of dive into today's podcast, Rich, if you want to share a little bit more about yourself with listeners, I know a lot of your educational background is in the special education world, which I love. Sure. It's really great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, my career started way back when. I actually started working for my brother in the construction industry. Uh, he owns a, a very successful painting company. And I learned very quickly that I had zero skill as painter, but he did use me as laborer. I was very good at doing what I was told in that way. But I also learned quickly that I did not want to work for my brother the rest of my life. And so I joined the Army and I got some money to go to college. I served for seven years and enjoyed it and traveled over the world. Everywhere from Nuremberg, Germany to uh, Okinawa, Japan and back here in the United States uh, in Arizona and Georgia and everywhere. During that time in the Army, I also worked in the construction end. Well, my main work was in Signal Corps and we built infrastructure for satellite dishes. So I have a good experience in working with folks and a lot of general contractors mm-hmm. in that area of building trade. When I got out of the Army, I always wanted a teacher and I went back to school to IU, got my degree and started teaching, taught students with significant disabilities. I actually got to meet a really good friend of mine. Pete Molloy. He's the owner of Job Site Supply. Who is a member of ICI, which I love. Yeah. And during that time, I got to know his daughter very well, Anna, and became, and I still am, uh, on Anna's Celebration of Life Foundation, which many of your members support, mm-hmm. which we appreciate. Yes. And we do a lot of really great work for children with abilities, providing them with life-enhancing gifts. That's a fun part of what I get to do on the side with Pete and a lot of great people in that group. Mm-hmm. I taught special education for several years and slowly climbed into the ranks of school administration a little bit pretty much by force. When you're a male in education world, sometimes people just throw you in some leadership roles, especially mm-hmm. bus duty and recess duty and lunch duty. But I slowly climbed up into being a principal and then from a principal to director of special education, director of technology, and then ultimately became a superintendent. And during that time, and for probably the last 20 years, I've been working with individuals in team development. I've learned really quickly, even back in high school as an athlete, 
how important it is to be part of a really solid team. Mm-hmm. And that's where I became familiar with Patrick Lencioni's work and the five dysfunctions of a team. I really just embraced it so much that it became a part of everything I do and and the work I do. And I started it with the organizations that I have led and have since then worked with other people and helping them implement those practices that Lencioni's made famous in his books, which is the five dysfunctions of a team and ideal team player. Those are the two things I'll probably talk most about today. Mm-hmm. I did read that earlier this year, the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and it was a quick, easy read. I think I read it in two days. It was great. A lot of information on my reading list is the ideal team player. I'm hoping I can read that between Christmas and New Year's if I can find some free time. But originally, you were going to be our speaker at the LDC retreat. It was to happen in July of 2020, and then obviously COVID happened. So we had to make the decision to postpone that retreat to July of 2021. I'm hopeful that we will safely be able to get together in July of 2021. Hopefully that will happen. And I thought it would be a really good idea for all of our members of ICI to give you guys something to look forward to by kicking off 2021 with Bridgie being on the podcast today and kind of giving everyone a little bit of an overview of the five dysfunctions of a team and the ideal team player and what a perfect I feel like there's no more perfect time than now with the pandemic. Everyone's kind of being tested and you're having to learn to work together a little bit differently. So it's perfect timing for us to talk about this. So I'm excited for you to give our listeners a little overview of this and really give them something to look forward to later on in the year. Um, And like you said, you've become familiar with both books. You've studied it through and through and you've went to various industries, different companies, and taught different companies about both topics. And then you implemented in your day-to-day, like you mentioned, with your team over at Center Grove. So I guess we can just get started with what's the five dysfunctions of a team about? Sure. Great question. And you know, it starts out just really kind of highlighting what it is about being a team. And the interesting thing is the topics, the title starts with the dysfunctions of a team. That's really an attention grabber. You know, Mm -hmm. no one wants to be dysfunctional. So everybody's like, okay, how do I avoid being dysfunctional? Mm -hmm. You know, so Patrick does a really nice job of laying out a nice diagram of things that have to go on in a team in order for a team to be high functioning. And it's really common sense. You know, just like a lot of authors write books that are common sense and you go, doggone it, I wish I would have done that, you know, so, <laughs> but it really is. But we all have to be reminded the diagram in the book is a pyramid and it starts out with your foundation of trust, trust among the team. And then it builds on that being able to have conflict and being committed and then holding each other accountable and finally being focused on results. And even though I share it really quickly like that, the deeper part of that is, for example, if you have an absence of trust, what does that really mean? You know, and so for some folks, they think pretty significantly, you know, about the issue. They'll think, oh my goodness, you know, um, we can't trust each other at all. And that's not necessarily the case. A lot of times it's really just about being afraid of being vulnerable with one another. Sometimes it's just something as simple as, I won't admit my weaknesses amongst my team because I don't want them to see that I'm weak. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here's the secret. We all know where each other is weak. If you've got a bad <laughs> communicator on the team, we all know. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you want to do is have that conversation behind their back. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we don't, 
don't give that to Rich to do. He's a terrible communicator, but we won't tell him personally. You know, we'll just talk about it. That's, you know, really the important thing on being part of this process is understanding that the trust piece is being vulnerable with one another. Mm -hmm. That's a key part of it. And it's a big part because if I can be vulnerable with you, then I can engage in more topics. I can engage in issues on our team. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not afraid to share out what I believe we need to do as a team, then we can have conflict of that. And that leads us into the next piece is having conflict. You know, to know that you can engage one another in some healthy conflict, Mm -hmm. really, that what makes a really strong team. Let's lay all the ideas on the table and pound them out and come to an agreement and really, you know, just kind of understand each other's position. Once you've done that and everyone's had an opportunity to share and to be a part of it, then you can really get buy-in. So if they can be able to have input, then they'll be able to have buy-in on the final decision. And mm-hmm. again, it sounds really easy, but it's having the strength to do that. And it goes, again, it goes back to trust. If you're able to have that conflict and really pound out the issue and then come to a really good decision, then everyone gets around it and commits to it. Okay. And that's the next part of the team and having a good commitment over whatever it is you decided to do. It's an interesting thing for a lot of folks. Everybody's thinking, you know, oh, we made this decision in a team and we're all going to walk out of here and we're all going to own it and we're all going to do it. And a lot of teams, it doesn't happen quite that way sometimes, right? Oh, the decision was made. Rich said we were going to do it. We all listened to him. I didn't agree with it. Now, Mm -hmm. am I going to go out and sabotage it? No, I'm not going to sabotage it. But secretly, I hope it fails because he was wrong. And I was forced to do this, right? So you really got to be able to have that conversation. And you you don't want that person that's going to sit there and go, I can't wait for it to fail. Can't wait for it to fail. You got that person has to own the commitment as well. And so as a team, you got to be able to have everyone have that trust in one another to really have a conflict over whatever your decision is and then come out of that committed to the final decision. Because then everyone will hold each other accountable to making sure we all get it done the way we said and the way we decided. That's the next step. So Mm -hmm. accountability. If we all start pointing fingers at one another and saying, well, it didn't work because you dropped your part or you dropped your part, you know, then it doesn't really help. It doesn't build a solid team. But if everyone goes, yeah, we all had input. We all decided we were going to go this direction. We're all going to hold each other accountable to making that work. Then that really pulls a team closer together. And of course, that accountability piece is the next layer of the model. And then finally, Mm -hmm. It's all about your focus on the results. How do you know your team did a really good job? Well, how quickly did you get the job done? Did you save money? You know, was it safe? All of those key points that you want to make sure you did and that you paid attention to. So when you're a team, if you're not paying attention to that, so maybe again, I'll go back to communication. Communication is probably the most difficult thing for every team. Yeah. Especially a leadership team, right? (laughs) And they're out there making decisions and hundreds of decisions every day and then trying to get those communicated down and out to the rest of everyone that's doing the jobs and trying to explain it, why the decision was made that way. You got to be able to own it. So the last thing you want is uh, someone to come back from the A team and tell everybody, well, we're going to do it this way. And everybody goes, why? I don't know. That's because they said to do it that way. No, that's not how you communicate. You know? Yeah. And you got to be able to sell things. You know, you got to be able to say, well, it's going to save us money. It's going to keep all of us safe. We're going to get done quickly mm-hmm. and we're going to do a really good job. 
finally, the last part of it is looking at the results of the project, the results of the team, and being mm-hmm. able to go back and say, boy, we really did knock this out. We did a good job. We looked at, and you go around the team as well and you say, you know, you, you did a really great job. You're part Julia, you know, Rich, you did a really good job and so on and so forth. And you also share out, you know, where you can improve on. And so in a synopsis, uh, really quickly, that's the five dysfunctions of a team and the things you need to focus on, which is trust, you know, being able to have conflict, being able to commit to whatever decisions you make as a team, hold each other accountable, and then finally look at the results and really pay attention to those. Mm -hmm. And all of those relate to the highway construction industry. I mean, it relates to every industry, but I would say specifically with our industry, nothing that's done in highway construction can be done by a single person. Everything's about teamwork. And like you said, a lot of the dysfunctions can come from a leadership team. So one thing I'm happy about why you're able to talk with us about this today is because our industry, we do have a lot of young people. We also do have a lot of seasoned people. So there is a generation gap in our industry. So it's good for our members to hear about this. So hopefully they can recognize how they function as a team and where they need to improve, hopefully, knowing the five dysfunctions that you just explained. So all of your experience with going around to various industries, different companies, helping teams improve how they work with one another. What would you say is the worst behavior that you've ever seen on a dysfunctional team? (laughs) You know, I've seen quite a bit of different things happen. It's all personalities. But I I would say probably the worst behavior is when I worked with a company where the team leader happened to be the CEO slash owner of business. Mm -hmm. And he was unable to really confront his team members Mm-hmm. of their basic behavior problem. You know, if someone came to the meeting and would sit on their laptop the entire time and really not pay attention until it related to their issue, they were just one part of the group. Maybe they were supplies. Maybe that, you know, they're the operations guy, right? You know, they just seemed disengaged until something came around for them. And that really frustrated the rest of the team because the rest mm-hmm. of the team felt like, well, what, I'm not important? You know, my piece isn't mm-hmm. important that you're not going to pay attention. Uh, so that that's the hard part. And that was probably the toughest thing that I've had to deal with. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, you know, but if a boss really, as a leader, you know, you need to be able to demonstrate that. You need to be the first person to be vulnerable. You need the first mm-hmm. person to say, these are my weaknesses. And I do that a lot with my own team. I'll mm-hmm. tell people all the time, I'll say, I'm really a big wimp when it comes to holding people accountable. Help me. If someone on the team isn't doing their piece, help me out. Let's uh, approach them together. But let's not harbor any kind of hate or distrust or frustration because that just builds and makes us uh, resentful. And if we're resentful, we don't want to come to work and, and our work suffers. Yeah. And you definitely don't want that to happen. And being vulnerable is hard. But 2020 brought out... I feel like vulnerability in everybody because there's so many problems and going into the new year of 2021, even though, you know, I think a lot of people are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. There still is that piece where there are still some unknowns, but I think it's great that we're discussing this today because it is reminding people that being vulnerable doesn't mean that you're weak. It's not, even though some people see that as a form of weakness, it's actually a good thing. And I feel like when, when I think of vulnerability and working in a team, like, yeah, sometimes it can be embarrassing, but it also shows your strength. And then, like you said, it just helps communication flow better and makes your yeah. team work better. So what advice do you have for that is struggling with a dysfunctional team? What would you tell them? 
Well, you know, that's a great question because it takes a lot of time to build a strong team. And one of the things that I've found in doing this work is you really need to spend time on your team, getting to know each of them and talking to them. And it will feel like you're doing nothing. It'll feel Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm spending so much time, you know, just having conversations with these people. But, you know, all of that, it's like the old race adage, you know, you go slow to go fast, right? And so you really spend a lot of time moving slow and getting to know each other because then when you get in those team meetings, you can snap it out. You can move quickly because you know how someone is. You know their personality type. You know Mm -hmm. how they're going to take things. You know how to cushion it with words. So if, you know, well, look, you know, we're not going to give that to Jim because Jim doesn't do a really good job of communicating. Jim knows that. You know that. Everybody on the team knows that. So you're not embarrassing Jim. He, Jim knows he doesn't do a good job at that. And you're mm-hmm. saying that's going to be more Susie to do or something like that. And so being able to really sit down and spend time with your team is the most important part. Just really taking time to understand them. And again, you got to start as the leader when you sit mm-hmm. down with them and say, hey, here's my weaknesses. I know that. I'm working on those. Will you please continue to call me out on that and help me be a better leader in those areas? And I mm-hmm. will help you. And so spending spending that time is is really important. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always tell people, one thing I've learned in my short career that I've had since college is a cup of coffee goes a long way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's something I've, I've learned, whether it's someone you're meeting outside of your company, a potential client, or even if it's just someone who you work with. It's so, so true. So yeah. true. You know, you build that trust. And I think for any industry, you build that trust and that relationship. A lot of times you can prevent things from happening because mm-hmm. people feel comfortable approaching you. Yes. You might be able to prevent a safety issue, mm-hmm. you know, where people might not normally say something to you. But if they feel like you're approachable as leader, they may come right to you and say, hey, I noticed we do this on the job site. And I think someone could get hurt. And if you have that comfort level where they can come to you or other leaders on the team, you could probably save lives and save money by being able to have that. Yes, totally. And I know at ICI and in our industry as a whole, safety is our number one priority. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because that is a very, very key thing. No, and that's where the communication And that's where all of the dysfunctions come in is with safety as well as a plethora of other things too. Sagamore Ready Mix provides a wide range of the most innovative and best quality products from concrete to flowable fill to treated sand. With a team composed of hardworking individuals, Sagamore Ready Mix is ready to provide exceptional customer service. To learn more, give them a call at 317-570-6200. I know we discussed, you know, the dysfunctions of a team, but then that kind of goes into the ideal team player. So what are the three essential virtues of an ideal team player? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a fun book if you have the opportunity to read it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, both both books are short uh, books that are fun stories to read. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll find yourself when you're reading it going, oh my gosh, I've been a part of a team like that. Or something. I did that one. Yeah, right. And then you start seeing yourself and you're like all embarrassed. I hope nobody sees me reading this. 
You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, Patrick lists three virtues, and he calls them hungry, humble, and smart. And mm-hmm. uh, they're what makes up a team, an ideal team player, um, an individual. And it's interesting because when he breaks these down, he talks about being humble. And it's really important to know that in the way I look at it is kind of share that love, if you will, you know, Mm -hmm. with folks, Uh, a humble person gets out of the way of someone that can do it better. They're not focused on trying to do it all themselves. They Mm -hmm. realize their limitations and they work well with others to say, okay, this is something that I'm good at. You're good at. You probably should do this. Hungry too. And, you know, you brought up generations, right? You, you brought up the different, you know, people in the different paths of their career. And sometimes you can be a hungry person trying to get to the next level and really, you know, get too aggressive, but being hungry to do the job well and to do the right things for your team and for each other and for the organization and the mission. That's mm-hmm. the hunger part that you're looking for in the team. And then the last part is being smart. That's the people side. Knowing people, knowing when you are rubbing somebody the wrong way, knowing when you're doing things right and you're making people happy, and understanding them, understanding how they interact and what they need in order to get the job done. So many mm-hmm. times you've got personalities that are black and white. Just tell me like it is. Boom, I'm going to go in and do it. And then there's mm-hmm. other people you got to kind of finesse it. They got to know all about why we're doing it, right? And then there's the people in the middle. So having that smart skill is really mm-hmm. important. And what's uh, critical in this is in order to be an ideal team player, you really need to be good at all three of these. You don't have to be perfect. And we all struggle every day, but we need to focus on all three. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, through the explanation of ideal team player and the, th- and the three virtues that you mentioned, you kept returning to the subject of teams. So tell us why that is. Sure. Um, so during my past 20 years mm-hmm. of working with leaders and their teams, you know, I've seen several times teams that, you know, the team members lack one or more of the virtues. And the process of building a cohesive team is so much more difficult if that's the case. So really understanding each of your team members and what you need to focus on for them in mm-hmm. their virtues and how to help them understand their own weaknesses really brings them back to the team to understand how they can be a better participant in the team. But again, also, we can all understand each other's. It's like knowing one another's personalities, but more Mm -hmm. around work, more around the specific work we do. So you keep calling them virtues. And rather than characteristics, why is that? Well, you know, I think Patrick really named those virtues. And Mm -hmm. I think it was a couple of things. Uh, One is, you know, he really struggled to find what's a good word to use skills and characteristics or something like that. He really landed on it because it's, uh, you know, virtues is is a synonym for nouns like qualities Mm -hmm. or assets. That's what each one of these are. They're a quality that you have. And when you think back uh, about them, being humble is a quality. You can be too humble, though. Right. But yeah. if you can be just right on the humble side, it's quality. And the same thing about being hungry. You can be too hungry. But mm-hmm. if you've got that right mix of being hungry and humble, that's fantastic. And then, you know, you throw in that last virtue of being people smart. And then it's just another nice quality that you have that people, you know, really, you see it all the time in outstanding coaches, right? Mm-hmm. You'll see some of the best coaches in the world that 
they really pull those three things together. And they are humble. They do a great job of lifting up their team and giving credit where credit is due. But they're also hungry. They want to win. Mm-hmm. So they're you know they're going to push their team. And then finally, they're smart. Especially if you're a coach of a pro sport. I mean, you know, you're coaching millionaires, right? And so you got some crazy yeah. personalities there. <laughs> and yeah. so having that ability to pull all those together is quite a gift. Now I know in highway construction specifically, a conversation that happens over and over again is around workforce and workforce development. Because the good thing with our industry is highway construction isn't going anywhere. That's what I always tell people, you know, when you're trying to choose a career path, pick our industry because we're always going to need a bridge and we're always going to need a road. But building a, a workforce is also a topic of conversation too. And I know what we've been discussing today that relates to workforce development. So um, with the knowledge that you have on teams and the ideal team player, how can someone build a work to people who are hungry, humble, and smart? It really starts with the interview process. Mm -hmm. One of the things I'll talk about when this summer, I'll talk about how you can build into your interview questions, ways to identify people's level of uh, hungry, humble, and smart. And also in your questions, how do they fit in your team? And no matter whether they are, uh, you know, someone taking an entry level position in your organization or if they're a top tier employee, Mm -hmm. you know, you can really dig down into those questions and pull out what you're looking for when they answer the questions. And sometimes it's fun. I love to have fun. I will grab someone on the way to the interview, walk them through the break room, for example, and Mm -hmm. the newspaper will be laying there. I'll open up the newspaper and find where the movies are that are out. And I'll say, so which one of these movies would you go to this weekend if you could go to a movie? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you'll you have them look at it and they'll pick a movie. And then it gives you an idea of who they are and what they like. And also, can they respond to spontaneity and can they have fun with it? Patrick Lencioni talks about Southwest Airlines and part of their interview process and a, a really funny thing that happened to a handful of top C-level people that were being interviewed. And they wanted what he called uh, Southwest Airlines is one of their core beliefs is to have a sense of humor, have fun. Mm-hmm. And so they asked them to uh, change from their, leave their leisure suit on top, but put on a pair of crazy shorts and walk around the place with them. (laughs) And, you know, they had some people who refused to do it and just walked away from the job. Oh my Um, God. You know, but uh, it's interesting, you know, and so, um, you know, it's interesting that people do that, uh, but Mm -hmm. it also then helps you as an organization get to the core of what you do. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody do that, but yeah. um, I think that's a, <laughs> it's a fun story. It's a, yeah. um, it kind of gets the point across. <laughs> that's <funny. laughs> I'm sure that they, I'm sure they have Southwest Airlines has some more funny stories about some of the people that they've interviewed. So I love yeah. that. But when it comes to existing employees, what about them? Like, what if you have employees who don't exhibit these qualities, then what? One of the worst things you can do as a leader is just look at some people and just cut them loose and not build. Yeah. If you sit down with them and talk to them, you can do actually one of the other things I'll talk about is you can do an assessment with your own people Mm -hmm. and you can help them identify where their strengths are if they're hungry, humble, and smart. Mm -hmm. And you can have fun with that. It's a fun thing to do with a team. So if you do the assessment, folks can kind of figure that out and then they can look at it. And it's a lot of times they bring it to the table themselves and they'll say, you know, wow, I'm not as humble as I thought I was. Or yeah, you know, I'm on the downside of my career and my hunger has slipped and it's hurting the team or it's hurting the company. Sometimes that's said out loud, 
And sometimes they just know it and then you'll see them step it up because again, it's a virtue and it's something that they want to do well at. If that's brought to their attention by you or just because they self-discover it, which is the best, then most Mm -hmm. of the time people want to pick that up and they want to improve on that. And I think too, it's another great reason that we're discussing these two topics today is because right now in our industry, much like others, a lot of companies are starting to think about when their top level person retires, who's going to replace them and how how their company is going to function after that person moves on to the next chapter of their life. So I think doing an assessment with your current employees would be a great, great way to add value to whatever succession planning that companies are doing right now. So I think this is a good time that we're talking about this. So how does this new book on the ideal team player fit together with the five dysfunctions of a team? Like a glove. It just really does. It goes very well together because what you look at as you look at the model of five dysfunctions of a team Mm -hmm. and you start to realize just starting at that base level of trust, how important it is that someone have the right level of hungry, humble, and smart. And you can Mm -hmm. start to see how your team, when you do the assessment of both sides, because there's also an assessment for the five dysfunctions, you put mm-hmm. those two together and you help teams start to see how their own personal skill levels in each virtue are impacting the dysfunctions that they might identify. And mm-hmm. I've worked with hundreds of teams and most of the time it starts with trust. It's almost always right there. And so you got to go back and look at that. And a lot of times you can look at your individual team member assessment, your virtues, and you'll find where people will cross-reference that maybe they're not hungry enough. So Mm -hmm. I don't have trust that Susie will get the job done because she's not hungry enough. She doesn't get out there and do what we need to do until we all, you know, yell at her. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like Bob. Bob frustrates me because he ticks off every foreman on the job because he has zero smart skills Mm -hmm. or he's weak in that area. And so when you start to pull those things together, it's a really subtle and nice way of addressing some very basic human issues, which we're all afraid to call out on one another. Yes, of course, in any situation. And you know, you mentioned yeah. throughout our conversation today, the two graphics. For any of our listeners, both of the graphics are in each of the books. You purchase the book, but um, if not, you can visit tablegroup.com. And Table Group is the management consulting firm that Patrick owns. They you know, specialize in executive development, organizational helping, like you briefly mentioned earlier. So I know if you go to tablegroup.com, there's plenty of resources. They're available and they can purchase the books if any of our listeners you know, want to read these leading up to the retreat in July. Anyone can reach out to you, Rich. Absolutely. I would be more than happy you know, if anyone has any additional questions for you prior to our retreat in July. Reach out to me, everyone. You know My email address is jpolston at indianaconstructors.org. And I would be more than happy to connect you with Rich. And hopefully he can give you a little more insight than what we discussed today. For all of our listeners, be sure to read the weekly newsletter. I'm still hopeful, like I mentioned earlier, that we will be able to safely get together in July of 2021 for the LDC retreat. And Rich, I'm excited for you to be joining us. And at that retreat, we'll be digging a little bit deeper on the five dysfunctions of a team and the ideal team player. And most of all, thank you for giving our members something to look forward to in 2021. Thank you, Julia. I'm excited too. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope we get to meet a lot of you this summer. I have a really good time when I do this. 
Thank you again to our guests, Dr. Richard Arkanoff and Julia Poulsen, as well as our sponsor, Sagamore Ready Mix. To get in touch with Sagamore Ready Mix, give them a call at 317-570-6200. Join us every Friday during your morning commute to hear safety talks, member spotlights, and inside information about the infrastructure and transportation construction industry. This has been ICI Digs Deep. Let's break ground together. Together.